0: All right, well, let's, we're just sort of symbolically allowing us to arrive here for a moment. Welcome to our beautiful Friday practice. Welcome, everyone, to Recovery Dharma and the Spokane Sangha. What a privilege, what an honor. Uh, Friends, for um, the month of March, we're going to be exploring the very vast theme of forgiveness and you know here we are on the 10th day of march and we've already stirred up a lot in the emotional cauldrons of everyone here Um, just the mere mention of the word forgiveness can churn and activate a lot within And so I really wanted to bring this topic forward with a great deal of tenderness and gentleness, which is why we're exploring it for a couple of months, actually. One, because we need to take a gentle approach. Um, We need to relearn, frankly, unlearn the habit energy of approaching everything with a hammer. You know, I gotta get this forgiveness thing down. It'll make me a better person, hammer, hammer, hammer and really take a a long look at forgiveness in terms of changing our relationship to the conditions of forgiveness. The conditions that enable our capacity to be forgiving as well as the conditions that inhibit our ability to forgive, to receive it, and to offer it. So we've had all kinds of wonderful conversations We've talked about the difference between a growth mind and a fixed mind. We've talked about um, and celebrated uh, your capacity to sit with the discomfort of forgiveness because it can stir up a lot of discomfort. And there have been several members in our Sangha who have been so incredibly and impeccably courageous to admit, Oh my God, Julia, I was going to bolt from this meditation. And I stayed. That is amazing. That is absolutely incredible. And I'll also say that sometimes these topics can hit a nerve and we have to leave. We can't stay. We stay for as long as we do and then we go and we take care and we give ourselves a little space and a little bit of breathing room. Please know that that is an honorable expression of self-respect. It is welcomed here and I deeply, deeply honor however you choose and trust your knowing to practice. We've talked about Uh, considering the conditioned ways that forgiveness is entangled with morality. We've talked about being honest with ourselves on what is our capacity to forgive. And most importantly, we've tapped into, as a foundation, looking at regret as a strong motivator for bringing us to the threshold of forgiveness inviting us to step into the threshold of forgiveness, to practice offering it, and to practice receiving it. Yesterday, I brought up the notion of duality. And one of the notions of duality with respect to our practice is the way that we, um, we think of ourselves as being special in that we're the worst person in the world as if there's some kind of award. My habit energy, my addictions, I've done so much harm in the world, I i deserve the, the award for the worst person ever. And there's no such thing. Likewise, there's no such thing as being the best person in the world. And so we really have to unlearn that that state of duality and know that we have the capacity to be enormously harming and we have the capacity to be enormously healing too. And so where we put our actions, where we put our mind, where we choose to dance this Noble Eightfold Path uh, lends itself to a lot of healing and a lot of forgiving. Yesterday after the meeting, um, I had this wonderful side conversation with our beloved Sangha member Lo, who was talking about when you are the recipient of someone's forgiveness what are you actually receiving to receive forgiveness what are you what are you accessing and one of the things she brought forward i really love i really love to think about it and i'd like to share it with you today And that is that when we are receiving someone's forgiveness, and frankly, when we're offering someone forgiveness, what we're doing is we're expressing our belief, our faith, our confidence in that person's capacity to change. Isn't that a beautiful way to think about forgiveness? To receive someone's forgiveness for an action in the past that has caused regret and harm is to receive someone's confidence in me that I can choose differently. I can be different. I can change. When I offer someone forgiveness, I am expressing to them, I believe in your capacity to change. I'm intentionally using the word capacity rather than expectation. Change, the nature of impermanence, is one of the four noble uh, realities, one of the four noble reminders that everything is subject to change. Expectation is this little added, somewhat distorting uh, perspective that we add to change that says change needs to happen the way I think it needs to happen. It needs to happen in the way I think it needs to happen. It needs to happen in the in the amount that I think it needs to happen. Whereas change is a wonder and we change in very very small ways and in spectacular ways too. So the practice of cultivating confidence in someone's capacity to change, also is the capacity to measure change by small, wondrous degree. Put down those expectations and allow people to change in all the ways that they do, just by nature of reality. The last thing I want to say about this topic today is in the month of February, we were exploring the theme of love. And to receive love is very, very challenging to a lot of people. And it's also life-changing to really sit there and receive someone's love to be seen by someone, to receive someone's forgiveness is an act of receiving love. Because if we put it in the context that to receive someone's forgiveness is to receive their faith, their confidence in me in my capacity to change is an act of receiving love. And this is a moving target. Forgiveness is a threshold that we are all invited to step into and receive. It's like grace. It's readily available. And so when we practice self-forgiveness, for instance, we really come up to a threshold point where regret has maybe motivated us to move toward this place, this threshold moment of forgiveness. And if we've examined it enough and if we've allowed ourselves the practice, the reflection to look at what is my capacity to change? What small thing can I do? Because When I'm standing in the contemplation of regret, I'm always looking at the habit energy that motivated the harm that I'm regretting. And at that point, I have the choice. I can either continue down that road of familiar habit energy, or I can step over the threshold into change, into a degree of confidence that I can do something different it doesn't have to be monumental it doesn't have to be life-altering and it also doesn't mean that I won't return to habit energy sometimes like I said this is a moving target we go into forgiveness and we move out of it kind of like a tide it ebbs and flows it moves in it moves out we're always forgiving And always examining regret. And this conversation that we can have with ourselves, this contemplation that we can have with ourselves, is really as ancient as the conversation that has been going on between the shore and the sea touching into unskillful action, experiencing regret, stepping into growing, learning, and forgiveness over and over and over again. To contemplate regret and to use it as the main motivator for change, is one of the one of the five practices in the pasade practice pasade means forgiveness basically it means moving from unskillfulness to tranquility and i want to share with you a little something about Um, something uh, Pamachandran says about the forgiveness practice that is often done at the new moon in monastic settings. They have a very um, distinct ritual where the community gets together and they contemplate unskillfulness, those actions that have created harm the times that we've been passive-aggressive, the unskillful things we say, the lack of humility we've exercised, maybe an aggression that we've expressed toward another living being, a mosquito, a worm, whatever it is. And they take a look at regret. They take a look at that and they work with it. But Pema Chodron is very specific about her practice. She says, you get two minutes. Two minutes to hang out with your regret. Two minutes to hang out with the ways that you've been unskillful and feel bad. And the reason why, I think think she's being a little tongue-in-cheek, Um, because I don't think she means to be exact her point is we have a propensity to carry our regret way longer than we need to she says we have to be willing to experience regret see it clearly put it down and move on keep going Um, And it's a lot like she describes um, ferrying a boat across the water. We use the ferry to cross the river and we leave it at the shore. But we have this habit energy of picking up the boat and carrying it around with us. She writes, we have a neurotic tendency to carry regret for way longer than we need to. And we have to commit to unlearning that to carry regret is some kind of virtuous action when in fact, it's a total waste of precious energy. Let me read that again from Pema Chodron. We have to commit to unlearning that to carry regret is some kind of virtuous action, when in fact, it is a total waste of precious energy. Why is it a waste of precious energy? Because it keeps us shackled to the harmful behavior, to the memory of the harmful behavior. And one of the reasons this is really important to examine is because we have to be willing to examine not only the regrets that we're carrying around like a boat on our back, but also the harmful, unskillful actions of other people that we're hanging on to. And we're making them Feel regretful again and again and again. So it's not only the regret we're carrying but it's the regret that we're receiving projected by other people that we seem to to pick up and carry as if it's our own and we have to get stronger in that we have to learn to exercise that muscle and say hey you know what yes that action was harmful in in the past and I have apologized for that harm many times and I have been working with that regret and I have made changes so that I will not behave in that unskillful manner anymore so the fact that you're still carrying that is not mine to carry that is your work. I have already put down that boat and ooh that is tricky for non-practitioners because they're stuck in it they just want to keep holding on to that regret as it that negativity as if it's as if it's virtuous and it's a waste of energy we have so much precious life to live We have so much healing and transformation awaiting us. We have so much grace and forgiveness there on the other side of the threshold waiting to delight in us. Not because we're so great and wonderful, but because we're human and everyone has access to it. And once we receive it, like Shantideva. Our purpose and our destiny is to share it, to dispel the miseries of the world. So let's just take that in for a couple of quiet moments. Take in the image of putting down the regret, bowing to it having learned from it, taking stock of the small changes we've already made and the changes still yet to come. And let's keep dancing this Noble Eightfold Path, forward in our understanding, sideways in our intentions, backward sometimes in our actions, Standing still in wise speech, twirling around in our efforts, noticing with open arms the way our whole lives have changed, mindfully taking the next step, concentrating all the way we go. What a privilege! Friends, as we conclude this practice today and we stand on the threshold of the weekend ahead and the wonderful ritual of spring cleaning that many of us engage, maybe we can tie into some of the things that we're spring cleaning and purging and getting rid of old garments, old shoes, so on and so forth. Maybe we can include in the giveaway pile some of our regrets. Clean house, make space for more roots to grow, to expand, to love, to forgive. That's the practice, friends. let's go ahead and end our practice with a dedication of merit. One of the things I love about this particular topic is it stirs up in me this odd sense of urgency uh, that I need to figure it out now. I need to have it all clear and organized and ready in my mind, ready to act, ready to forgive, ready to have it all sorted. And the reality is forgiveness is a lifetime practice, as is everything in the Dharma, we are going to look at this for eight small weeks in the lifetime of a person. And I'm sure we'll revisit it again and again. But I think about um, just the eight weeks that we're making at, together as a community, the commitment to look at this with tenderness and openness with the security and the confidence to be able to come into this community and share exactly what's coming alive for us um, without reservation, without judgment, just this is what's alive within me right now. It benefits the whole community and it really allows us an opportunity to open up and look at the full spectrum of human experience. When we gain access to that, we gain access to the wholeness of what it means to be human. And there are millions and millions and millions of people who don't have access to this practice. But they may have access to you and your practice. It is an extraordinary gift. It is an extraordinary act of service to share your presence. It is an incredible act of love and cherishing. May you extend your practice, may you radiate your practice by simply being present to your life as it is, in its wholeness, in its richness, and its in its never-ending opportunity for you to learn, to grow, to mature, and to dance the noble Eightfold Path. Thank you so much for your practice, friends. We'll see you next time. Namaste.